everybody. This is Pastor Chad. Welcome to the Way Radio Podcast. Today is April 23rd, 2023. Uh, it's been a few weeks since I recorded. Um, just had a lot going on. Had a very busy month, but a good month. Uh, still working through the Heidelberg Catechism, so I will be posting more of those episodes going forward. Uh, but really, the last few weeks especially, I've just been trying to get my head around all the strange things that are happening in America. And uh, what I often do is I like to go back to earlier years and see what I was preaching on, the things I was writing, um, and just to see how things have changed. And it's fascinating. It's mind-blowing to look at how radically the world has changed just since uh, the COVID hoax began um, in, I believe, 2020. It, it's crazy. Uh, how things have just deteriorated, really. Uh, America continues its chaotic decline uh, into just increasing immorality and governmental abuses, I think, beyond and more rapidly than anybody would have ever anticipated, even from the most uh, pessimistic viewpoints. So today's message addresses some of these things, but uh, I'm hoping it will be uplifting and inspiring for Christian believers. And the title of it is Passing Through Babylon. And it's actually a rewrite of a sermon that I preached a few years ago. And it was one that I came across just to see where my head was at uh, in the midst of the whole COVID hoax, you know, when it was just beginning. So I've rewritten it. But it's fascinating to consider, like, again, how quickly things are changing right now. One of the points I wanted to make, and something that's really been uh, on my mind a lot lately, is the fact that it seems, at least to me, that America now seems similar to the apostate church in the 1500s prior to the Protestant Reformation. And the reason I say that is if you study the Protestant Reformation, and especially Martin Luther, who uh, is credited with really beginning the Protestant Reformation when he nailed his 95 points of basically bringing to light the abuses that the apostate church at that time, the Roman Catholic Church, were carrying out. What a lot of people don't understand is when he nailed that on the church door in Württemberg, Germany, his hope at the time was that he could reform the church, that he could uh, bring to light, bring to mind the abuses that had become so common in the church, the deterioration that had taken place, the apostate, which had become, and really heresy that had become so commonplace in the Roman Catholic Church at that time. He loved the church, so his hope was, by bringing these things to light, that the church would acknowledge the, the condition that it was in and return to a biblical, true biblical, godlike, Christ-centered standing that the church is supposed to have. Unfortunately, he very quickly came to the realization from the response of the church that they were not going to change anything and he became their arch enemy. And that's what led to the Protestant Reformation. So he realized that there was no reforming the Roman Catholic Church. They needed to protest directly what was happening. And that, that was the beginning of the Protestant Reformation. And that's what led to Protestantism. The, the key word in Protestant is protest. 
The reason I say that reminds me of America now is I get a little bit frustrated when I hear people talking about how important the 2024 presidential election is going to be. And I've heard that for every four years, as far back as I can remember, especially since I be, you know, became aware and more interested in what's going on in American politics. It sounds extremely pessimistic, and, I'm, and I hope I'm wrong, but I honestly don't think the election is going to change anything for the overall big picture better in America in any way, because the system in America is much like the Roman Catholic Church in the 1500s. It is completely corrupted and basically sold out to the forces of evil. So in my opinion, the only way America will survive is to completely reform, have a reformation where we go back to constitutional foundations, constitutional principles, which are based on Christian principles, and begin again. That may happen to where the United States breaks off into uh, portions of the, of the country seceding, where you have states joining together and forming smaller countries based on um, the Constitution of the United States. Or it may be to where Washington, D.C. has to completely be done away with and a new capital established and a new governmental, you know, a new constitutional government system uh, set up elsewhere. That would be an extremely painful process to go through. And again, this sounds pessimistic. It's just my opinion, but that's where I see things going. I do not see America returning to a true constitutional republic simply because this person or that person wins the 2024 election. We've seen that the elections no longer really uh, do anything. The country just continues this downward spiral. Just my opinion, but just a point I wanted to make. And I'd love to hear other people's thoughts on that. If you'd like to respond to that, if it seems too radical to you, if you agree with it, whatever, you know, please email me, uh, chad at the way, the letter r122.org, and share your thoughts on that. I'd love to hear other people's opinions on that. If that isn't back to the message of passing through Babylon and the current situation that we find ourselves in, if God is in control of every detail, why are these things happening? How could it serve, excuse me, any purpose for good? I believe this question springs from a faith issue. And we must trust that the Lord is in control of everything and that regardless of how far-fetched it may seem, and difficult to understand, the Lord will use every aspect of these evil events for the good of those who love him and are called according to his will and purpose. Not having a clear picture and understanding can actually strengthen our faith. We walk by faith and not by sight, and these times can help to make us humbler and more faithful and deepen our belief in the Lord. I believe what we see in the terrible events of this time is an unchecked human nature on exhibit in all its vivid depravity. We saw, like I said, in 2020, all the lies about COVID-19 and the resulting suffering all over the world because of those lies. Violence in the streets for causes that are based on lies. And again, I wrote this when all the violence was going on in cities all over America back in the 2020s. Now we see just random acts of violence happening almost every day or every other day in America. We hear of shootings, mass shootings, 
these things happen, why are they happening, and how do we view them as Christians? John 8, 44 says, you are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. When it gets down to what's going on, Satan is the force behind it. He's the prince of this world that's bringing about all this evil that we're seeing and we're experiencing in our country and in the world right now. One of the things that we're seeing just radically and more and more visibly are perversions as agendas beyond what any moral and sensible person would have imagined just a few years ago. I remember, I believe it was in 2015, 2016, I forget exactly when it was, when they, the Supreme Court uh, recognized homosexual marriage. And I remember preaching at that time how that would lead to more and more perverse agendas within the United States. And we've seen that happen. I was speaking with a friend of mine a few weeks ago, and he believes that when the time comes that we see an increased and an intensified persecution of Christians, it will come from the LGBTQ, whatever it is, direction. And we already see that happen. Outright rebellion against God is celebrated and embraced as good and loving. Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. We see a complete perversion and corruption of just an understanding of what is truly good and what is truly evil. It's just become commonplace in our world. We see Christians struggling to find out if, if God is in control of everything and all is predestined, do we have any effect on anything? Can we change what will happen in any way? And this is one of the things struggle, people struggle with when they first start understanding that God does predestine everything that takes place. Why are we bothering to do anything if it's already predestined? We must understand that we will never be able to understand the mind and the ways of God this side of heaven. And heaven will be an eternally expanding realization of the mind and ways of God, beholding his eternal glory. Everything we do is within God's will, if, if we're seeking to do his will and to please him, will help us be involved and part of being engaged in his eternal plan. But there is no escaping God's working and his all-encompassing, his omniscience and his omnipotence towards everything that goes on in the world. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. One of the hardest things, especially for new believers, is to understand that we will never understand the mind of God and our eternal, one of the things that we will enjoy for eternity is just becoming more and more enraptured by the depth of the mind of God. But for now, we've got to understand that, that our finite minds can't even begin to comprehend all of God, who, all, all of who he is and what he is and how he works. But we just have to understand that he is in control and we're working within his predestined plan. I'm hoping I'm making sense. This, this is a bit difficult to, to explain. 
Consider that every act and event since the beginning of time has been within the realm of God's sovereignty. This helps us understand what I'm talking about. Acts 17.28 says, For in him we live and move and exist. So every act and every event since the beginning of time has been within the realm of God's sovereignty. You can't escape it. We as Christians should be totally engaged in our ministry. And like I've said, every Christian is involved in ministry in some way. Because of God's sovereign control, his ways and plans are carried out through his people. Romans 10, 11 through 15 says, For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. We are blessed as believers to actually carry out the plan of God through the proclamation of the gospel through our individual ministries. Evil human desire is allowed to be acted out on this earthly plane, influenced and manipulated by the ruler of this world. But in his grand design, God turns everything, every act, to serve his plan and purpose in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. He prepared our works for us beforehand. Is there any greater reason to get out of bed in the morning than to know that God has your work already set up for you? Consider Joseph and all the betrayal and abuse he suffered, and look at how the Lord turned it all around to bless Joseph and so many others through him and to glorify himself. Joseph was faithful despite his conditions and circumstances. Joseph, Joseph looked to God even when he seemed to have been abandoned. Genesis thirty nine twenty one says, But the Lord was with Joseph, as he is with each believer. Consider Daniel and his friend's uncompromising stance for God, despite the threat of death by fire and lions. They were surrounded by the evils of the world. They were in Babylon. They refused to practice idolatry, even under the threat of death. Daniel was in Babylon, but he was not of it, and it, and it was unable to drag him down. Daniel 6, 7, and 10 says, All the commissioners of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the high officials and the governors, have consulted together that the king should establish a statute and enforce an injunction that anyone who makes a petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for thirty days shall be cast into the lion's den. Now when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house. Now in his roof chamber he had windows open toward Jerusalem, and he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God, as he had been doing previously. The king's edict, which he was tricked into signing by evil um, uh, counselors, basically, Daniel ignored it. He didn't give in to it. And that's the spirit that we have to have. We follow Christ, not the powers of this world. You see, Daniel looked to the Lord while he was in Babylon. 
And ask yourself this question, are your windows open towards Jerusalem? Daniel 6.16 says, Then the king gave orders, and Daniel was brought in and cast into the lion's den. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Your God, whom you continually serve, will himself deliver you. The powerful influence of Daniel's faith and conviction actually affected the king so much, his faith was so visible and so powerful, he shined so much with the Lord's light, that the king believed that Daniel would be saved from the lions, even when he was being thrown into the lion's den. How powerful of a faith is that? The reason I asked, are your windows open towards Jerusalem, is when uh, Daniel would pray towards Jerusalem, Jerusalem had been abandoned and in ruins for years at this time, but he still had faith because that's where he looked to his God. So when I say, are your windows still open towards Jerusalem? Are you still looking to the Lord and praying in spite of the pressures of this world to corrupt who God is, to corrupt who the person and work of Jesus Christ is, to, to, uh, to, uh, not corrupt. Sorry, the word slipped in my mind. To compromise and to mix the ways of the world with the ways of God. Now we must always be faithful, uncompromising, looking to the Lord. That thought there is the whole reason that the Recovery Reformation ministry that I run came about. Because the recovery industry in the modern church is one of the most glaring examples we have of the church being influenced by and compromising with the world in the name of humanism. Consider Paul and all he endured and suffered through for Christ and the gospel. Yet he remained faithful and steadfast, carrying out the work the Lord had blessed him with. 2 Corinthians 11, 24-28 and then 32-33 says, Five times I received from the Jews thirty-nine lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys, in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship, through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me of my concern for all the churches. In Damascus, the ethnarch under Aretas, the king, was guarding the city of the Damascenes in order to seize me, and I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall, and so escaped his hands. What an amazing faith Paul carried through all these trials and tests and afflictions, because he just kept looking to the Lord. And we've got to have that same faith going forward. I can tell you, folks, just in the last two weeks, I've had two more videos of mine uh, deleted from YouTube. They send me notices and says that, that what I preach does not agree with their you know, community standards or whatever. So they delete my material. So I'm being, re I'm being denied freedom of free speech simply because of the truth that I proclaim. How bad will that get as the years go on? The men that we're reading about here walked as believers in a world of unbelief. They walked with God, and God took care of them and blessed them. These men affected and influenced the world around them rather than being influenced and affected by it. 
Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. What we're going through now, at least at this stage, is not that big of a deal when you consider what others down through history have had to deal with. Really, much of what we are going through in America, it's our own fault. The long, obvious agenda that has led to our current problems should have been stopped years ago, but we have been complacent and apathetic. In a constitutional republic, it is the duty of the people to hold on to power and keep government in check, but we have let most of that slip away. It is the duty of the Christian church to be a pillar and buttress of the truth, but the vast majority of the Christian church in America is biblically illiterate has little or no understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and is mostly unsaved congregations wandering aimlessly behind unsaved pastors. The modern church is far more business than gospel. The word of God is the sustenance and guide of the church, and it has been severely neglected. Revelation 3 verse 8 says, I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door which no one can shut. Because you have a little power and have kept my word and have not denied my name. Folks, if you're compromising who Jesus is, if you're picking and choosing what part of his word you want to believe and what part you want to reject, you are denying who he truly is. Now, more than any other that I can remember throughout my lifetime, is so important to not compromise on the person and work of Jesus Christ, on the message of the gospel, to stand strong on the rock, on Christ. In America, the Constitution is the power and protection of the people. It has been severely neglected, but what it all comes down to is our problems are of our own making. Because the people, like in Christianity, believers, have let the authority and sufficiency of God's word be pushed aside. And America, in America, the people have let the power and authority of the Constitution, <laughs> excuse me, be pushed aside. In both cases, our problems are of our own making. So how do we change course as individuals, as a church, and as a country? Matthew 3, 2 says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Do not be conformed to this world. Turn away from complacency and apathy and make a stand for the word and ways of God. 1 Corinthians 16, 13-14 says, Be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Folks, we need to stand for the truth of God's word. Learn God's word and abide in it. Be knowledgeable of truth and make a stand against the lies that are ripping the world apart. You must understand that as Christian believers, we are not of this world, and we are loved, cared for, sustained, and watched over by the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. We are only passing through Babylon. I want to read you a portion of uh, Charles Spurgeon's Morning and Evening Praise. It's, it's an amazing devotional. I love it. And on the morning of September 15th, this is Spurgeon's writing. He says, Woe is me that I sojourn in Mesek, that I dwell in the tents of Kedar. That's Psalm 120, verse 5. And then Spurgeon says, As a Christian, you have to live in the midst of an ungodly world, and it is of little use for you, for you to cry, Woe is me. 
Jesus did not pray that you should be taken out of the world, and what he did not pray for, you need not desire. Better far, better far in the Lord's strength to meet the difficulty and glorify him in it. The enemy is ever on the watch to, de to detect inconsistency in your conduct. Be therefore very holy. Remember that the eyes of all are upon you, and that more is expected from you than from other men. Strive to give no occasion for blame. Let your, God, let your goodness be the only fault that they can discover in you. Like Daniel, compel them to say of you, we shall, find any, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Seek to be useful as well as consistent. Perhaps you think, if I were in a more favorable position, I might serve the Lord's cause, but I cannot do any good where I am. But the worse, but the worse the people are among you, among whom you live, the more need have they of your exertions. If they be crooked, the more necessity that you should set them straight. And if they be perverse, the more need you have to turn their proud hearts to the truth. Where should the physician be, but where they are, but where there are many sick? Where is honor to be won by the soldier, but in the hottest fire of the battle? And when weary of the strife and sin that meets you on every hand, consider that all the saints have endured the same trial. They were not carried on beds of down to heaven, and you must not expect to travel more easily than they. They had to hazard their lives unto the death in the high places of the field, and you will not be crowned till you, have, till you also have endured hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Therefore, stand fast in the faith, act like men, be strong. And I'll close with Psalm 121, verses 1 through 8. Song of Ascents, I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. From where shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Amen. All right, you guys, thank you for listening today. Uh, if you could take a check, if, if you're interested in the ministry, you can check out our website at the way, the letter R122.org. You can also go to recoveryreformation.org for information on that ministry. To subscribe to the podcast, simply go to christianpodcastcommunity.org and search for The Way Radio in the search field. Uh, you can also find us on Rumble by just searching for The Way the letter R122. Right now, I'm mainly focusing on the podcast. I have not uploaded anything to Rumble in a while, but I probably will start uploading the podcast episodes there pretty soon as well. Uh, we need all the help we can get. There's much work to do in, with the condition of the world, and there's plans that are on hold because we're so limited financially. So if you could prayerfully consider uh, helping us out, you can donate by going to the way, the letter R122.org, and just clicking on the donate button. All right. Thanks so much. God bless you guys. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>